you know, sometimes podcast therapy is the best kind of therapy. Obviously, there was the one from the other night, right? When the, when the wound was still fresh. But you know what? It's better to do it when you're all suffering together. That's why Pat Lane is here with me. And also McGarvin Patriots POV gentlemen, who who wants to take the who wants to take the reins first? Who wants to rip their band-aid off first? I mean, I guess it could be me. I guess. I mean be my guest. It just an absolute nightmare. Absolute nightmare of all nightmares. Um obviously the worst game of Belichick's Patriots career, but just a complete embarrassment from from start to finish. And, you know, you just, it, I mean, it's almost inexplainable how, how horrendous it was from everyone. And Mac Jones was at the very top of the list, but everyone looked like absolute garbage. And, uh, and so it's going to need to be a hell of a lot better. Or, you know, I might be advocating for everyone, just ship everyone out, including the coaches. I still have to say this is probably the most humbling loss probably since San Francisco in 2020. I'm pretty sure McGarvin was one of the first people to point that out. Yeah, it was the same kind of uh, same kind of issue. It's like, all right, you ran into a team that is more talented than you are, um, and they just ran all you know just ran all over you simply because you don't have the talent to match it. That was um that was a tough tough game. I don't know uh, necessarily humbling just because I, I always thought Dallas was significantly better than us, but it. It was one of those games where you're just like, damn, this is just – you just take it on the chin. Like, it, you know, in, in a weird way, it kind of reminded me of the Bills uh, Bills playoff loss where, like, mm-hmm. by halftime you were just like, yeah, this is just going to be a shellacking and we're just going to have to be all right with that. Um, I meant humbling more in the sense of, like, questioning, like, who's leading this team? Is Mac really the guy? Like, yeah. it was more humbling from that perspective than the general just, like, going in there and playing well. I was expecting them to keep it close and – I don't want to look at that field goal attempt to where it was like, hey, this. I look at the crossbody interception. I look at the fumble that Lane Vanderish scooped up. I look at the just multiple. There's numerous plays from this game that you can look at to where it's like, even the CD Lamb touchdown, I can't be mad at because I'm just like, no one, you're not defending that. Like we saw that last year when Jonathan Jones tried covering CD Lamb in that game of Thanksgiving. So, all in all, though. Obviously, moving away from the game Sunday, like, is this where we expected to be right now, or do you guys think that we should have been two and two? I had them going two and two. So, um, the way I get through most of these seasons is I, I, um, just to keep things in perspective, I always think about what I thought they would do and where they're at now, right? Just to kind of keep things in perspective. Because I think when things start to snowball or when things get really bad, everyone just like, immediately panics right so originally i had them two and two at this point i expected them to win to uh win at miami win against miami and then win against uh, new york so um in my mind the patriots lost one one game more than they should have in this in this you know four week stretch um so they're basically where i think they're going to be um i still think about eight eight or nine wins but that i mean the team is what i thought the team would be i expected a better offense but you know record wise they're about where i thought they'd be yeah, I mean, I, I had something similar, probably two and two. Um, but, you know, the hard thing is that when you see them compete in the games, right, and you see them compete against the Eagles and you see them compete against the Dolphins and they're just simply not able to finish, right? And you just sit there and say, like, man, you, we're almost there. Like, you had it and you just you can't do it, right? And maybe it's the players and maybe it's the coaches and maybe it's whatever, but – 
to me, this stems back, and it's interesting that the Bears are playing tonight. The Bears have not won a game since they curb stomped you on Monday Night Football. I mean, absolutely embarrassed you on Monday Night Football. And again, they had the number one pick in the draft. They haven't won a game since October 24th of last year. And in my opinion, in my opinion now, and in this, you know, people may disagree with this or, or not, but that was one of Bill Belichick's biggest mistakes of his career. Putting Mac Jones in to start that game was outrageous. And the fan response to Mac Jones starting that game was the most embarrassed I've ever been as a football fan. Sitting in those stands, hearing people boo the team coming off the field after going three and out, they're booing Mac Jones off the field after they ran it twice and it there was a failed screen pass on third down. Like, he had no – he didn't do anything. He did nothing wrong. And they're chanting Bailey Zappi's name as he's coming off the field after the first drive of the game. And, you know – and I don't know if that has anything to do with with what we saw on Sunday because we saw, I think, I saw a guy that was scared, like scared, had no confidence in his offensive line, had no confidence in his wide receivers, and frankly had no confidence in himself. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it stems all the way back to there, but I said that night in the stands, I said, this is this is the beginning of the end of Mac Jones's tenure in New England. And I, I took it a little over the top, but but – we haven't seen the same quarterback since, in my opinion. And so, you know, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But, like, the backstepping that he's taken, the backsliding that's happened since 2021 is insane. And you could blame it on Matty P last year. There's nothing to blame it on this year. There's no, oh, he doesn't have a quarterback's coach. Oh, he doesn't have an offensive quarterback. No, there's none of that this year. It's all on Mac Jones this year. And, you know, it, it's been okay those first two games at times, the Jets game up and down a little bit. And then one of the worst performances you'll ever see from any quarterback, forget about in the pros, any quarterback at all uh, in that, in that game against Dallas. Yeah. The way, the way I look at it too, is that I always was a big proponent of that. Cause obviously look with the Bailey Zappi tenure was the, the game. I love to reference on here for obvious reasons, Pat, cause I was there against Detroit. Yeah. And then a game McGarvin and I have talked about on numerous occasions that Cleveland game was one of their best complete games of the 2022 season. So it's like, hey, Bailey can come in and save us. But then we quickly learned with Chicago, look, no one wanted Mac to play. Um, that game was just a failure from all three facets of football. That was a failure from offensive execution, defensive execution, special teams execution. Yeah. And so it was just a downward spiral from there. Now, obviously the bears haven't won since then, but also fun fact, the Niners haven't lost since that week. They lost to Kansas city on that Sunday. So just fun, fun, <laughs> okay. fun little tid- tidbit in, um, in the regular season, in the regular, regular I was going to say, yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> in the regular season. Um, but, and then, cause the rest of the year, it was kind of always one step forward, two steps back. Cause I remember that seat was like, Hey, the jets game, they could have lost, but then the Franklin Myers pass interference, roughing the passer call kind of made the game go one way. On the on the pick six, that wasn't right. Yes. Right. And then you yeah. had the game where they pretty much bullied Sam Ellinger for 60 minutes. Yeah, um, that was fun. That was, that, that was probably like the last <laughs> fun game that they played of 2022. So where it's just like, even this year, it's kind of funny how their first two games went like this. Like Philly and Miami, they fought back. Booty had his feet in, didn't have his feet in bounds. And then obviously... Cole Strange being a tight end, not a uh, not the right guard, the left guard that he should be. Um, 
it's kind of weird though that it was those two games they played harder, and then the New York game is the one where for hey, offense got the job done when they needed to, but then they stalled, and then the defense also stalled to where we were a couple fingers tips away from losing that game. So it's just I want to see more consistency with this team, and especially too, I know this Sunday is pretty much a must-win game, but I think the next two are must-win just because if you go back to where the House of Horrors was last year with Vegas. If you lose there again, it's kind of like, okay, what do we do here? Because obviously we've seen Vegas. They're a mix of not good. Uh, I mean, there was more fan highlights in the stands last Sunday between people fighting and the one guy, I don't know if you saw this one guy doing coke in the stands and he publicly tweeted it. Yeah, I did see it on the key, yeah. (laughs) On the keys. There's more fans of that and the guy getting knocked out in a Howie Long jersey, which I'm sorry, but if you're wearing a video of a tough, if you're wearing a jersey of a tough guy, you should not be getting knocked out in a football game. Yeah, definitely. Um, as far as uh, what, what Pat was saying about, you know, the, the beginning of the end for Mac Jones being that Bears game, um, I think that's really where people made, you know, made their stance on Mac. And from there, it was over as far as the fans go, not necessarily, you know, um, his standing within the team. I just think that from that point on, you've had this just like strong pushback within the fan base of like oh mac is not the guy um and anytime you say anything you know related to mac that's not mac is not the guy everyone's then in your mentions oh mac's not the guy and it's like right but he's here he's the guy they have now is he going to be the guy in the future i doubt it but we'll see um as far as right now though he's the quarterback that you have right now so i don't understand the idea of like oh let's you know let's bash the quarterback we have because we saw the guy (laughs) they've been trying to replace the guy behind him all summer right you know Last week was the first week where they didn't add a new quarterback to that um yeah. to, to the quarterback room. So it's like, all right, cool. They're clearly trying to upgrade the second spot. So I don't understand the push against Mac. I think his biggest issue um in that game, and it, it's it's frustrating because in the first three weeks, we it was a complete reversal of last year, where we know last year it's been said ad, ad nauseum that Mac Jones played really poorly under pressure. He was the only quarterback worse than him under pressure was you know uh, Zach Wilson. I believe that's by P, uh, per PFF or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, and in the first three games this year, that wasn't the case, right? He, he was playing well under pressure, and so to go to <laughs> go to Dallas, and I know I know I know Micah Parsons is probably one of the best defensive players in, in the league. Might be the best defense player in the league right now you have tank lawrence on the other side also digizua in the middle like those are good players i just i cannot believe how badly he crumbled to the point where you know the crossbody pick six is just one of those like all right that's just that was a boneheaded decision you got punished for it but that's not something that's going to happen you're not going to make that same stupid decision again right and then he throws the pick on the other side of the field to deron bland again and that and that was you know targeting juju smith schuster and that wasn't really an issue of like the play wasn't there, right? It, it wasn't like it was a bad throw or it, it, the play just wasn't there. So him throwing that ball and you're just looking, you're like, cool. At that point, my first thought was they got to pull him, not necessarily for, you know, forever or, or to make a statement or whatever. It's just to get him out of his own way. He had a Sam Darnold-esque game, yeah. right? Where he's obviously seeing ghosts, right? He's reacting to pressure that's not that that's not there. He's not reacting to pressure that is there. Um, and he's just chucking that, you know, chucking the football up. And it's like, you you can't do that. Coming out of college, what we what we were told, what we all observed while you were in Alabama is that you will be cool under pressure. You will not mm-hmm. put the football in harm's way. We will not lose because of you. And on Sunday, he went out there and we lost 
quote unquote, because of him. Now, obviously, everyone played poorly, right? That O-line couldn't get movement whatsoever. You know, Ramondre Stevenson's averaging like 2.6 yards a carry and uh, um, Ezekiel Elliott had 1.8. The None of the receivers were doing anything on defense. It didn't look right, even though they stopped them in the red zone. I think that was just more ineptitude on Dallas's part than, you know, strong defensive play on our part, right? Because you have, you know, Sean Wade out there, you have uh, Miles Bryant on the other side and inside your myth, you're rotating in your safeties. There's no reason that you can't score down there if you're Dallas outside of your own ineptitude. So I don't think any of the team played well, but when a quarterback plays that poorly and as someone who never blames one play, player, right? No, I'm never like, Hey, it's all the quarterback or it's all this. It's all that. But when a quarterback plays that poorly, it is really hard to push back when people say, Hey, you lost because of cuts of Mac Jones. Cause you're going to look at him and be like, yeah, well, can I can't argue that? Like, what am I going to say? Oh no, he threw he threw twelve right. really good passes, right? You're just like, yeah, yeah. I, okay, yeah, you're right. But that's that's exactly it. And also, I think the the term Sam Darnold game has been renamed to Daniel Jones, um, <laughs> Daniel Jones game. Um, hey, MetLife Monday Night Football. It just is what it is. Um, the way I because this is the first game because like I've been like kind of guy where you, I've always been on Mac's side, but also I want to go back to my humbling comment from earlier where it's kind of that moment of because after the first couple weeks I said I think I was to you McGarvin I said hey I think he's earned his fifth year I I don't yes. know anymore yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't I, know anymore uh, is next year a true go out there and prove it kind of year to where it's he's on that Daniel Jones cycle obviously it's not going to be. Uh, completely different staff in there. The Belichick thing we can get into, but I'm still in the mindset of he's, I know Kraft wants to win, but I don't think he's going to basically force his hand out. I just don't see them doing business that way. Um, so when it comes down to that, it's just, hey, who knows if Bill O'Brien's even there next year because there's the rumors, hey, he might take the Michigan State job. So we'll have to wait and see on that. So next year could just be a, hey, you got to go out there and prove it. If you don't prove it, we're going to go get someone that can replace you. Now, isn't that in the draft? Now, is that in upgrading to his veteran equal who likes to take Tuesdays off and Kirk Cousins because he's a free agent? I simply don't know. And I'm also throwing that out half joking, half serious, because obviously Kurt's a free agent and the Patriots do have money to spend. But it's just, I think regardless of whatever happens this season, the second the season ends, there's going to be a million questions I have to get answered about this organization. Oh, yeah. And look, I mean, and just to McGarvin's point, like, I'm not trying to sit here and say that we need to, you know, start Bailey Zappi or something crazy. Like oh, that. God, no. I just, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I wonder if, you know, that Bears game specifically shook his confidence, right? And, and you know, why are you doing that to a guy, to your franchise quarterback? What are you doing, right? And maybe you're not sold in him being the franchise quarterback, but here's the thing for me, right? And you mentioned it. He's supposed to be a guy that's that's good under pressure. He's limited, right? His ceiling is limited. And so, like, you look at it and say, all right, he can be a guy that can win us games because he's not going to make stupid mistakes. He's going to throw with anticipation. He's going to win with his mind before the snap and win with his mind after the snap, right? And then he's going to, you know, maneuver in the pocket, which, he's, which I think he's done a pretty good job of maneuvering. Well, until Sunday, he had done a pretty good job of maneuvering in the pocket and avoiding rushes, which is great. You know, but the ceiling isn't super high, and you know that. So if you're going to get play that's as inconsistent as you got from him last year and what you saw in Dallas and what you saw really even in New York, what are we doing here, right? Like it's it's not – the juice isn't worth the squeeze, right? Because you're not going to get – you're not going to get that super high elite talent. Josh Allen's a perfect example of this. 
Josh Allen's going to make a few boneheaded plays every single game. Like, you know he's going to make some stupid where you're like, what the hell are you doing, man? Sometimes it works out because he has such a ridiculous arm talent that, like, you look at a play and you're like, you idiot. Why would you? Oh, okay, touchdown. Okay, great. That worked out. Like, But you live with those things because he's so talented. You live with that stuff. Mac isn't that guy. He's not. So he has to win with his mind, and he hasn't been doing that. And so I'm out on a fifth-year option. I don't know what's going to happen with, you know, Bill O'Brien hasn't impressed me. I don't think he's impressed anyone, frankly, right? Like, it's the attention to detail. JT O'Sullivan, I thought, did a great job in the QB school. The the Juju Smith-Schuster interception, first of all, Max footwork was a disaster on that throw. But that throw is really on the wide receivers. That's a rub route. Juju was the inside guy. That was a it was a it was a um trips right on that. And Juju is the inside guy. Both of those routes on the inside or on the outside of him are clear out routes. They're both supposed to get in the way of the defender. It's man coverage. Just get in his way. Don't hit him, right? But just get in his way and make you run around him to make that out wide open for Juju for an easy first down. And Devontae Parker runs a go route, and he's about to run towards the guy, and he cuts inside to get out of his way. It's like, what are you doing? Just keep running on your line. You'll be in his way, and Juju's going to be wide open in the flat. And instead, like an idiot, you run away from the guy instead. And so it's attention to detail and stuff like that where it's like, how does he not know that, right? Like, it's a simple play that you've been running since high school and you don't know you're supposed to get in that guy's way. Like I, I, that's stuff that's unacceptable. And the throw again, not on Mac, right? The footwork was bad. The decision was bad to make the throw over there, but that play should have been open. But the two guys on the outside of Juju did nothing to get him open. And Juju didn't run a, a particularly explosive route either, which, you know, all three, all of those things combined, to make it an easy interception for the guy. So, like, you know, you, you just look at those things and you say, like, you got to be coaching these guys up better than that. You know, because I, I mean, know the players they have isn't great, but it's got to be. I don't know if we can say that, though. I I, I mean, I, I think at some point, you know, we want to, I mean, you're going to put that on the talent. You're going to blame Bill. You're going to blame Bill O'Brien. But I think the one constant uh, through there, and it, it's tough because, you know, he's a, he's a New England legend, but you have Troy Brown coaching those receivers and he has been in some capacity. I know he didn't get the title his first year doing it. He was doing um, returners and then he did running backs and, you know, now he's the, the receivers coach for the last couple of years. And it's been the same issue the last couple of years, right? Where you're like, they're not executing the routes. Like we have guys running into each other. We have yeah. guys like, like you said, avoiding, avoiding rubs on plays that they should be rubbing on um, guys, just not making, not making the correct play mentally, like on the field, and not having the talent to make up for it with, you know, with regards to when they do catch the football. Right. So like, like you said, with Matt Jones, where it's like, you know, the juice isn't worth the squeeze because you're not getting any explosive play. And it's like, all right, cool. What are we doing with the receiver group we have now? Right. They're not giving you explosive plays and your coaching isn't, isn't helping you with that. So it's like, it just looks like crap. Yeah. Hey, I mean, listen, I'm honestly, at this point, I'm open to everything. If we think that Troy isn't getting it done as a wide receivers coach and there's honestly not a lot to back up him getting it done as wide receivers coach because we haven't seen really any growth from any players. Yeah. And sure. so, you know, maybe that is the issue and we got to move on from him and move him somewhere else, you know? And obviously, like you said, he's 
New England royalty. He's a he's a Patriots Hall of Famer, and like, you know, but like, if he's not getting it done as the coach, he's not getting it done as the coach, and that's just you know, that just is what it is. That's business, you know. I that that that's. It's just there's so much that goes into this to where it's just like who's at the root cause of it. But when right. since the th- they spent the money three years ago, the wide receiver room honestly hasn't been anything special. We even saw that towards Tom Brady at the end of his tenure when he was getting it done. Even Super Bowl Fifty One when it was Dan- I know they still had Amendola and Jules, but then behind that Chris Hogan, which and Malcolm Mitchell, which look Malcolm Mitchell is one of the biggest what ifs in Patriots history. Besides the yeah. number eighty one, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Um, <laughs> I, I will I will always say that if he doesn't go off and do whatever he did off field, what kind of career would Aaron Hernandez have had? Um, it's just it, it's the never ending cycle of like I know everyone likes to say now it's like you're in the middle class of the NFL, you're this, you're this. Look, we know that. We know we're not it's not glamorous anymore. It's not, hey, let's just wait until Thanksgiving and then that's when things truly pick up. No, I feel like it's just everything you've done now to where you're one in three is why now we look at these next two games to where you're playing a Saints team Sunday coming off a really bad loss too. You're This game, two years ago, this same Saints team pretty much came into your house and beat you handedly. I don't remember the score off the top of my head, but I remember it was not a good day to be a Wasn't Patriot. Good. Yeah, the score and the score was actually, <laughs> it wasn't even a close score, but it wasn't, um, the score made it look better than it was because I remember they had um they had absolutely nothing going on. It came out of the halftime, and Jonu Smith dropped the dropped the ball, and it became a pick six. So it was just like, all right, this is just going to be a, a shellacking. And then obviously you had the really sick Kendrick Board touchdown that kind of changed it. But um, to a point that was mentioned earlier, and this is really where I'm at with the with the, with the Patriots, right? So everyone who follows me knows, like, I'm generally very optimistic um, with regards to the team in general. I'm not a yeah. overly negative person, um, even when you you know see the good and what what whatever's happening, the kind of person that I am, right? I still think that my biggest criticism of the Patriots offense as it is right now, and I feel like we just we get so caught up in like the specific like names of people that we don't like who aren't doing well or whatever the case is that we're not looking at the overall picture of they have not had an offense that can come out of the gates fast in way too long, right? Even that 2019 season now, Tom Brady's last year, it was the same kind of thing where it was just like we're coming out and we're playing catch up. You mentioned earlier, Griff. You said, "Oh, you know, um, they they had a nice little uh, comeback attempt against the 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 Dolphins, and they had a nice comeback attempt against the Eagles." And you just think about those games, and you think about the fact that the Patriots literally never led, right? Like they, so it's like, oh, it was close, sorta. They never led this other team. You know what I mean? So it's like it's a seven point game at the end, and so it looks better and it feels better. And you know, I'm not someone who is all anti moral victory, moral victory, but it's one of those like, yeah, but when you look at the games there, it's really not that close, right? Like they, they have a little comeback, but they're in it because of their defense. So you see these small margins, everyone's like, Oh, we could have won that. And I'm like, not really. Like the Eagles game is one that I think where everyone's like, Oh yeah, we, we, we definitely could have won that. And I'm like, I don't know. Like if Kayshawn Booty gets his feet in, you have, what is it like 50 some odd seconds left to go or, or something to that effect. Are we certain from that spot on the field? Where was that? The 23, are we certain that they get it in because I'm not right, right. And, this, and this is someone who's like generally pretty optimistic. Yeah, you convert that fourth down, and then what? Like, I'm not positive that that happens. The Cole Strange, um, the Cole Strange catch from um, Mike Kosicki, same thing. I thought personally, I thought that was a first down anyway, but it's the <laughs> same kind of thing where you're like, yeah, but like 
how confident are you on a scale of one to 10 that they're going to go down there and punch that thing in? They haven't done it all game. They haven't done it all year. And they really haven't done it since 2021, right? To take the football and just go down the field. That's not something they've done consistently in over two years. So that's where my frustration with the offense as a whole comes in. Damn the individual players, damn the individual coaches or whatever the case is, because we've seen that, They've they've swapped all those they've they've swapped through those people you know what I mean in in twenty one the the personnel in twenty was different than the one in twenty one than the one in twenty two and the one in twenty three it it just it looks bad it looks bad across the board so at that point it's like I don't care about the individual names it, it's it's a it's something it's something else if that you know for the last three or four years every time the Patriots offense is on the field you're just not certain that they're going to be able to do anything it's just maddening. Yeah, that it's you point out 2021 and there are two games that popped in my head right away. But before I say that, the Eagles game, that was the only game where I took a moral victory from Miami. The second that Raheem Mostert gash happened, I knew there, there was no yeah. way this team was, was going to Yeah, that's I'm yeah. like 24 10. I'm like curtains. I didn't get my hopes up for a second Philly. I did. But when I look back to this team as a whole, there are two games from the 2021 season that truly stand out to me. One is the home game against Cleveland. Remember, 7 nothing. They went downfield. Mm-hmm. What happened after that? 45 unanswered points. The other one, to which I don't know. Which, this is a shellacking in D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the other game is the Halloween game against the L.A. Chargers. Adrian Phillips pick six. Yep. Like That was the last time where this team was truly, like, I know, like, I'm going like, to say, like, Detroit, they're clicking on all cylinders. I think they also capitalize on, look, Detroit going all with six on fourth down. That's inexcusable. Yep. And then yeah. Cleveland last year, that was a write-off of a team. So besides that, the last marquee win I still want to say was that game against the Chargers because the Titans game after that, like Titans were pretty banged up. And then the Bills game, we all know that was obviously an anomaly because of the weather. But that's like when you look at a team that's like fully healthy, you're playing at your best. For some reason, Belichick's Herbert's two worst games of his career. I don't know what's up with that, but that's just it's a thing. But do you, like that's that's like that's the team I want to see, like where it's hey, you got to pick six, but then the offense is also playing mistake-free football to where we haven't seen that combination in a very, very long time. And I don't want to get my hopes up about doing it on Sunday. I just think Sunday, I talked about this last night on my uh, podcast, more from the Saints side of, I think this game is really about which team has better ball security and which te- and which defense comes up with a bigger play. That's what ultimately I think is who's going to win on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the stupid mistakes, like, the, the thing about the Patriots is that for years, for years, they were the team that didn't lose the game. Yep. They just, they didn't lose the game. And they waited for other teams to do something stupid, and they would capitalize on that. And they did that for 20 years, they did that. And then all of a sudden, they can't do it. They're shooting themselves in the foot. They're making stupid mistakes. And, you know... Not much has changed. I know Tom Brady's gone. But, like, outside of Tom Brady leaving, not much else happened. They just became a dumb team. And they make stupid mistakes. And, like, yes, now, now a lot of those guys are gone. But they weren't gone. You had guys like, you know, Devin McCourty was still there and Donta Hightower was still there. You had all those guys were still there. Matthew Slater. <laughs> you know, like, right. And and so it's like, why are they still making? So that that's the frustrating part where it's like, why? where are all these mistakes coming from? 
that they are so uncharacteristic of the Patriots. Penalties, turnovers, just stupid mistakes, just not thinking and beating themselves. Where again, like I said, for 20 years, you waited for other teams to beat themselves. When the Patriots had a really bad game, they would still win because the other team would eventually beat themselves and the Patriots would be like, well, we're not dumb enough to do that, so we'll end up winning. You know, it's just like Denver Broncos. Right, right. Yeah. And and the Patriots just aren't that anymore, which is – that's frustrating. And it, going back just to – I think you absolutely nailed that. Um, and going back to the whole time frame thing, this is something I tweeted um, October 18th of 2021, right after the Patriots lost that uh, overtime game to the uh, to the Cowboys. But they were 2-4 and four at that point, and their coaching philosophy has always been play it safe and wait for the other team to fuck it up. Um, the Patriots are the other team in that, where it's just like, yeah, if you play the Patriots, just kind of wait. They will fuck it up, and when they do, just capitalize on it. And it's 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 now we're now entering, you know, almost we're what two weeks out from that being a two year old tweet, and it's just like it's the same thing. It's the same issue last year, but and and like you mentioned, Pat, like last year we could blame Patricia. Last year, you know, the year before that, we could, you, there's always someone you can blame, and now we're just looking at it's like, yeah, but like we're here, and this keeps happening, so you know, what, what, what has changed, right? I, I, I think the whole, you know, defensive pillars leaving, like you mentioned, or, you know, the, 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 the stalwarts of that second, you know, second half dynasty run, the Edelman, uh, Brady and Gronk and all, you know, that, the, that entire group of players being gone and no one really filling in that void, right? Now I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, people like Jawan Bentley can't be a leader or he's not a leader or any of the captains this year aren't leaders or, or whatever the case is. Cause I'd have absolutely no way of knowing that I'm not in the locker room, but right. I do think that it's, it's something that, you know, I notice where it's like, yeah, but like Brady wouldn't have accepted that. Right. Or, or Edelman wouldn't have, wouldn't have accepted that. Like you can't just keep making the same errors over and over and over and have your players just accept that where right now it feels like there's a void to where that's kind of just acceptable. And usually it would come down from bill and come on down. And I don't know what it is lately with bill, but it feels like we're letting a lot of things slide that maybe shouldn't slide. And it's, it's just frustrating. Like how many times do I have to, you know, how many times do I have to see, you know, Mike and Wendy hold someone before like we pull them to the side, give them a quick talking to and stick them back in there or whatever the case is there. It's just like, it's, it's insane. Last year it was Trent Brown. Yeah. Year prior it was Isaiah Wynn. You're just like watching, you're like, we're making the same errors and no one is doing a thing about it. And it's so frustrating. It's all about accountability. And it seems like there's no accountability on this team. It's kind of just a, it's, uh, I'm going to give this example because you two are fathers, but it's kind of like when your kid misbehaves, you just give them a little time to, hey, don't do that again. And then they go off and they do the same thing again and again. Like, it just seems like there's, you need to have stronger accountability for like, when I go back to the dad example, Pete, obviously, you know, McGarvin, your kid's still very young, but like with Pat, when your kid does something wrong, instead of just saying, hey, don't do that again, you got to basically explain to them, hey, this is what you're doing wrong and you need to stop doing it now. So that's the accountability that you need from all levels of it. Um, also, I remember earlier this summer, I explained, Matt Alex Barth on here, and he was even telling me where this is the year you, you can't afford just to do like these simple mistakes. This is the year where, look, you can't have the training wheels on a guy like Mac. You have to let him, you have to throw him out there and see what you got because this is a huge proof of year. The third year is always that year where you find out do you have the guy or not? And right. now I know like people like to say Mac's bad. A Giants fans are a prime example of this, but we didn't pay Mac $40 million yet, so it's not too much of a worry, but it's that worry now of like, the Jets where it's just re- reduce and reuse and recycle quarterbacks to where, hey, Sam Darnold's not working out. We're going to ship him out. 
draft Zach Wilson. Because that that's the thing next year is first-round pick. If they're picking in the mid-teens again or if they help for some reason they're picking in the top 10, I don't know if you go quarterback right away because it just it looks like a move where it's just from an organizational standpoint just shattering to where, hey, go get a player that's going to help. Go get an offensive lineman. Go get a wide receiver one. Obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr. will be gone by then, but hopefully, pray to God, they're not that bad. But um, it's just the sense of what do you do to get better? It's this, hey, you're not going to get better on your own. you got to fix the problem within. And now with defense, we don't know what's going to happen there either because guess what? Your two top producers are probably done for the season. One's confirmed. One more than likely is confirmed. And I know they brought in J.C. Jackson, but do we honestly think we're going to get the J.C. Jackson of 2021? I don't know. I feel like it's still he's still going to be very a raw project, considering to not only is he just came here yesterday, but he also was coming off a very serious injury that he suffered, I think, around a year ago. So it's yeah. a huge wait and see. This team, it's it's all wait and see right now, but we can't wait much longer. Well, right, and that's and again, like, to your point, you know, you don't want to draft a quarterback just to draft a quarterback. Yeah. Even if you feel that Mac Jones isn't the guy, right? And again, I think that we have signs pointing to Mac Jones not being the long-term answer at quarterback for the Patriots, right? I think that that seems to be pretty obvious right now. Now, maybe something's going to happen over the last 13 games of the season where that's going to change our minds. I don't think so, but maybe. You never know. But, like, you still, if you're sitting there at 12, you know, well, what what happens if Drake May and – Caleb Williams are gone, which they're probably going to be. Are you just drafting the next guy just because? Like that, uh, How does that help you? You know what I mean? Like it just, you know, so find something that's going to help your team, right? And so like this is where the Dewan Jones argument comes into play where you say, why didn't you draft? Why did you draft Jake Andrews over Dewan Jones, right? And so like I don't know what they were thinking there. Like I, maybe they didn't like Dewan Jones would be my assumption that Dewan Jones wasn't on their, wasn't on their draft board. That's what I would imagine. Um, you know, but like do something that's going to help the team take someone that's going to be a playmaker. And listen, people argued about the, about the Christian Gonzalez pick because they're like, well, we need offensive help. And it's like, well, this guy's a stud and he yep. is, he's a stud. And so yep. like, that was the right pick. Like that was a hundred percent the right pick. There's a bunch of people before them that wish that they had taken Christian Gonzalez. I mean, even the Jets, I know the Jets, you know, needed help, but like imagine if the Jets had taken Christian Gonzalez and had sauce on one side and Gonzalez on the other yeah, side. Like that's disgusting. Yeah. Unbelievable, right? That's so, illegal. <laughs> right. So that's that's the type of stuff where, you know, it's like draft the guy that's gonna make your team better. If there's a quarterback out there that's gonna elevate your team regardless of what's going on, great, draft the guy, right? CJ Stroud's doing that in Houston right now. Houston's not a very good team. Nope. CJ Stroud's playing really, really well on a so on Nico And so, but like, you know, it's just it's one of those things for me that's like draft a guy that's gonna help you. Don't just panic draft someone. And I know we need a quarterback, but like, hey, listen, I know it sounds crazy. Kirk Cousins is probably gonna be be available next year. Do you go out and spend on a guy like and you don't have to spend crazy money, but you have a ridiculous amount of money right now. A ridiculous amount of money. Why can't you spend some money on Kirk Cousins? You know, like, I, I don't know. Like, throw a little money at Kirk Cousins and bring him in here with an elite defense, draft a wide receiver in the first round, and all of a sudden, some of those issues that you had go away because Kirk Cousins, although he's not great, is a top 12 to 15 quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, he can at least give you some steadiness at quarterback. 
He may not be perfect. He may not be great. He's not going to win you games by himself, but he's going to give you steadiness at quarterback that you don't have right now. You trust right? him. And so, exactly, right? And so that that's the way I look at it is like, you know, sure, do I want a guy that's going to be like the guy moving forward? Yeah, sure. But like that guy might not be there. You may not be able to get that guy this year. And if you can't, don't force it. Draft something else is going to help you. He's the – I'm just going to – before you say something, McGarvin, I just want to say Kirk Cousins is the – you bring – it's the girl – it's the safe boy that you bring home to mom and dad. It's not the rugged boy with tattoos. That's Kirk, Kirk Cousins. As long as he works on yeah. Tuesdays, I'm fine with it. But uh, back to you, McGarvin, because I actually have a wide receiver in mind that the Pats could take. Yeah, I um I completely agree. I think if you, you you panic and you just take a guy just to take a guy, you end up where you know where the commanders are, where you know they took Dwayne Haskins and he really wasn't. And and I you know with all due respect, I just didn't you know you know rest in peace. I just didn't think that he was a guy who was going to come in and like transform it you know transform an organization. And Washington right. was a team that needed a quarterback who would come in and transform an organization. So they took him, and because you took him at that point when it was clear that he wasn't the guy after his rookie year and you all decided, Hey, we need to maybe look elsewhere for our quarterback. You are then tied to him. And so you can't go out and draft another one. That's what I want to see the Patriots avoid, right? Don't just draft a guy to draft a guy and pigeonhole yourself into being with that guy because you drafted him. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, if, if a guy, you know, if a guy is there around wherever it is that you pick that you think you can realistically bring in and, 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 you know, hit the ground running with, then by all means do it. But if you're, you know, just floating around in the middle of the first round, pick 14, 15, oh, you, you, you can't be like, oh, we really need a quarterback. Let's go out and get, you know, Shadur Sanders or, or you know, Michael Penix Jr. Or, or, or whatever. Like, if if it's not there, don't force it. I, I think that's, that is a surefire way to set your organization back. I think a fun name, though, um, someone that you could, that will be available, who could, you know, who could, give you a little bit of stability, even though I don't really think he's that good. Is someone like Kyler Murray. I think he will be available because I think Arizona is going to end up picking much higher than, you know, than we all, than we all anticipated. And I think the temptation is going to be too great to not take a quarterback because we know right now, Chicago has the, the one in the two pick. I don't think that's going to hold. So yeah. I think by the end of the year, Cardinals will be in that one or two slot. And I think it's going to be a real question about, Hey, should we take a quarterback? And I my think only, that would make Kyler Murray available. My only thing with that is always just the asking price from Arizona because like definitely going to be obnoxious. Oh yeah, that's that's the only thing because to if they can finagle it as well to where the cap number is not as bad because obviously I think his cap number is more than Josh Allen right now. So we'll see what happens there. But that's just my big thing with Kyler Murray. I, I'd like to have him here. He's going to be a year. Two, it'll be two years removed from his ACL. It'd also be ironic considering who we heard his ACL against. Yeah. He was because remember too, he was running all over us before he went down. He was he was having his way. So that's 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 just my big thing. But one wide receiver I look at early on would be like Roman Wilson out of Michigan. Just guy like that. You probably don't have to get him in the first round. You could probably get him on Friday, round two, round three. But um yeah. maybe he maybe goes higher. We don't know. But I like that name, but it's just I yeah I feel like the if we were to draft a quarterback I'm gonna give you guys a great example it's not a quarterback but two years ago the Steelers took Najee Harris in the first round now should they have done it probably not so I feel like this is just a situation now like where you say the Dwayne Haskins you just draft a quarterback to draft a quarterback no you don't do that right. with the draft you go out in free agency and spend the money on the guys who are proven with a quarterback unless it's top ten or you're sure of him you don't take him there's no reason to like even last year where. Why only one quarterback won in the first round? Because 
the last two years of quarterbacking besides Trevor Lawrence has been pretty, pretty shaky up until this year. So we'll, I mean, Trevor Lawrence has also been low key, a little shaky, but you know, we're, we're going to, he's got a strong finish to the year last year. So we're just going to, we're going to pretend like it's not still kind of shaky. Even this year, it's it's really not that good, but I mean, in the sense of like, um, like get my words mixed up. I mean, in the sense of you can trust and rely on him in the sense yeah. compared to like field. I know fields is balling right now, but I feel like this is an anomaly. That's, to where, that's not real. What no. happened last week, last week and what happened tonight? I think that's not real. I think we're going to make a lot of overreactions about Justin Fields' game. Um, I think though, um, just looking at the timeline, the timeline is doing a really good job of like mentioning that, you know, DJ Moore is kind of going off and that's, that's, what's led to the night that they're having and Washington is just kind of blowing coverage all over. So I think people are kind of tempered, but yeah, I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy the, the last two games of Justin Fields. You well, five, five receptions and 137 yards at half. Yeah. Pretty good. And two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. Yeah. You know, the, the hard thing for me, right. And by the way, Kyle Murray, I just looked it up. His cap hit next year is $51 million. His, <laughs> his contract extension has not kicked in yet. It kicks in oh. next year. And so there's a if they move him, there's an eighty-one million dollar dead cap hit next year. If they were to move him, he's untradeable. I don't know how you move I on. I think from when him. see, I think um, I, 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 that's a good point. I do think though that uh, Arizona is in a spot right. where they can eat the eighty-one million and just be okay because that team is not very good and they're not a draft class away. You know what I mean? Um, point. And yep. and so that's where I'm just like I. I think you can you can do it if you have it if you have an opportunity for you know for Caleb Williams you're not sold on Kyler Murray you had to put a homework clause into his contract extension in the first place yeah. if you're not sold on him you eat, you eat the 81 million because hey chances are even if you do keep Kyler Murray and just go with a regular draft class chances are your team's still going to be bad you're still going to be picking in you know the top five because and say it with me now my my, my theory is that teams that pick in the top five generally pick again in the top five the next year, yeah. right? It's it's very rare for a team in the top 10. Let's go with even with that a team in the top 10 to not be picking in the top 10 the year following. It happens literally all the time. And that's the biggest reason I'm against tanking because even teams that ended up getting it right, you're right. You know, Cincinnati took Joe Burrow, um, you know, one overall, you know, like, all right, cool. Sure. He got hurt as a rookie, but prior to that, they weren't a very good team in the first place. Uh, and then they were picking top five. They took, you know, they took uh, Jamar Chase, you know, fifth overall. I think you look at that and you're like, if you're going to tank, quote unquote tank, or if you're, if you're rooting for your team to lose a lot of games, just know that they're going to lose a lot of games this year and they're going to lose a lot of games next year because this is how it goes, right? Bad teams are bad right. uh, and they stay bad. And I think the Patriots are perfectly in that box where are they a quarterback away? Absolutely not. Because if they switched out the quarterback, and kept the exact same skill position, we'd all be like, hey, y'all need to do better at the skill position. Cool. Are they a quarterback and a, you know, and, and, and wide receivers away? No, because we're looking at that offensive line and we're like, hey, you got to fix this offensive line. Are they right. an offensive line, wide receiver, and quarterback away? No, because you're looking at the tight end. They have no one under contract going forward. So obviously you're going to have to address it there. And that's not – you can't get all of those positions in one draft. Like it, That's literally not how it works. So yeah. obviously bad teams stay bad. Um and teams that are picking high don't usually go out and spend a ton of cash in free agency as far as getting like game changing talents because they're aware of where they're at. So, and ironically, the next year, the Pat, I think, because I know McGarvey and I talked about this. Do you know who the top three teams for Cap Room are next year? 
uh, the Patriots are up there. I'm not sure who who is with them, but I do know the Patriots are. If they're not one, they're in the top three for sure. It's the two teams playing tonight. It's the Bears and the Commanders. Those are the top three teams for cap room next year to where we can go out and spend money, but I've also stressed this. They have a lot of in-house spending to take care of next year. Like, yep. like McGarvin's saying, you have to pay – got to pay the tight Duggar. ends. Josh you got to pay Kyle Duggar. Uh, Josh, which I'm starting to say this. Is Josh Uche a guy that you could see potentially walking, or do you think that's a guy you keep? You, he is not a guy you keep. I think you uh, you let him walk. Um, and it's going to be controversial because he's going to walk, and he's going to be awesome somewhere else. He's going to go to, like, Indianapolis and, like, yeah, you know, collect 19, 19 sacks a year. Yeah. Um, but – you know, he's very Chandler Jones-esque to me, where it's like, cool, you you have him out there brushing the passer and everything looks great. And then and, and Chandler Jones, with all due respect, was a better run defender than mm-hmm. Josh Uche is, but he isn't he's a liability in the run game. Um if he is if he goes to a team where he's just allowed to just rush the passer and that's his only job, like like I said, Indianapolis or something, like if he's going to he's going to have the stats because he's a really good pass rusher. He's just not a very good edge defender. I am. I am interested. You need to be a really good edge defender first. I'm interested to see what happens this year because with Judon being out, they're thin at the end. And so if Uche can show that he can actually stop the run to an extent, he's not going to, he's never going to be a great run stuffer, but if he can be passable, that's a path for him to get paid here as opposed to going somewhere else. I think Kyle Duggar gets paid here. Kyle Duggar, I think, has made a ton of mistakes. Even this year has made a ton of mistakes, um, you know, and, and I, I just it, it's frustrating to see Kyle Duggar make a lot of mental errors. But like he's just so electric and he's such a good player. I think that you need to have that guy on the team. He kind of sets the tone defensively for you. Yep. Um, and so he has to come back on Wenu has looked awful the last, you know. But again, he's, he's come back off an injury. I don't know how healthy he is like. We got to give him the year, but like, I don't know if he's not, if he's still playing this way mid season, does anyone feel good about Mike on moving forward? If it looks like if the tape looks like this, the rest of the year, like, so, you know, there are things that you have to take care of, but then it's like, all right, well then we're in trouble. If on who can't play, we're in trouble. And I think, I think they drafted two, well, they drafted really three interior offensive linemen. They did that for a reason. They drafted, you know, the two guards because they needed them. And I think that they looked at David Andrews and said, this is it. David Andrews on his last year. He's played poorly. And he's not playing yeah. well. He's playing you know? poorly. And it's just I and I think they and I think you're you're absolutely right. I think they took Jake Andrews because they kind of you know kind of forecasted it. Again, we we do a lot of especially externally, we do a lot of blaming of like, oh yes, everything on the offense was on Patricia. Um, but I think internally they they looked at who they had and they were like, Yeah, these guys just aren't aren't playing very well. Um, and I think that's the reason you go out and you get a center and two guards and you know in in free agency or uh, in the draft. I really do think though, the, the drafting of two guards was more, not that Unwanu was playing poorly, but more that they anticipated him being out with the ankle injury. So like, all right, cool. That's definitely, you know, fine. Sure I think Jake Andrews, absolutely. Jake Andrews though. I think that is absolutely a matter of like, Hey, we think this is probably it for David. I just yes. don't know if Jake Andrews can do it. I mean, that's really the question. He, like, he looks like he is about a year and a half away, and that is yeah. horrifying because he doesn't he doesn't have any power in the run game. And when you're playing at that center position, there are going to be a lot of times where it's like, hey, we need you to get to the second level. And if you can't even get off, you know, you, you can't even make your first block and then get up there and make and you know make a lane and push your and move your guy, then yeah. I don't know how you can play center in this league. 
And I know with center two, everyone likes to look at like, oh, could they have gotten, gotten John Michael Spitz in the second round? And I'll say this right now. No, Keon White was the pick. Keon White is often, yeah. He, I think Sunday is going to be a coming out party for him. Um, yeah. The other question with, free, with not free agents, but next year, though, obviously running back's been a tough con, uh, discussion when it comes to paying. Do you give Ramondre money next year? Or do you wait until after the 2024 season? Okay. No. Okay, that was yeah, easy. You, He's a running you back. You don't yeah. pay him. I, I don't. I don't know that you necessarily don't pay them, but you uh, you certainly don't do it early. Um, so I would yeah. say you know you let him play out the contract, let him hit the market, see what he see what's out there. You obviously you put a you know offer on his table, but no, he, no, I don't think so. All good. Yeah. Just I just felt like throwing that out there because obviously I know he's a fourth round pick. He's going into his next year's his last year, so we'll wait and see what happens. But I feel like he's the kind of guy to stay there. And David Andrews, was that a three-year or a four-year contract he signed? Because I think he might be signed through next year as well. I think he may have signed a four-year deal. Um, I remember he was one of those guys that tested the waters but then came back in 2021. Yeah, that was a three-year deal. Oh, okay, so this year's his last year. I um, believe he's in a contract year. Let's do you think he's, a- he, no, he's, got, he's signed through, through 2024? So. He I is, but, so. I mean, his dead cap hit is, like, under $2 million. So, like, he, you know... There's not a ton of there's not a ton of dead cap if you cut him or you move on from him, which I don't think they'd ever cut him, but I wouldn't necessarily be surprised to see him um retire at the end of this year. He just yeah, played, I, it's pretty obvious he doesn't have it anymore. Yeah, he's he's he hasn't been the same player since he missed what was it, twenty nineteen with the uh lung yeah. with the lung yeah, with the lung issue. With the lung yeah, issue yeah. He hasn't he hasn't been the same player but since. He's had, but he's had he's had spurts of good play. I, th- I just think yeah. last year down the you know down the stretch he kind of crumbled and then yeah, going you know obviously to the start of this year you're just looking you're like he is not playing well and I know that um, there there could be chemistry issues because he's you know the the left guard next to him is rotating legitimately every <laughs> damn near every play legitimately every game he's you know he's lining up next to someone new um, and Onwenu you know he missed the first week. So obviously you had someone new on both sides and then he's back, but he's on a pitch count. So then he's, you know, Mafi's on the other side. So I'm sure there are a lot of variables. Cause I, I remember I tweet, I think I tweeted this or I, or I may have sent it in a DM to someone, but it was a matter of like, I've not seen David Andrews play this poorly since those four games where they lined up. I, um, when they lined up Mike Onwenu on his left side. So the four games in 2021 where Mike Onwenu started at left guard, um, yeah. That was the last time that we saw David Andrews play that poorly. And the minute they took David, uh, that, the minute they took Mike Onwenu out at that left guard spot, the play immediately improved. So, I it could be chemistry, but I just think physically speaking, he is he is getting beat, um, and he's not creating any push in the run game. And I that has absolutely nothing to do with, you know, with <laughs> your compatriots. So right, you can't teach a dog new. Tr- you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, I just you know it's yeah, it's not good. It's not good, and so. You know, I mean, that's the thing is like when you look at the entire offense, like the whole offense is struggling. Everyone on the offense is struggling. And so like that's the tough part is that you sit back and you say, well, who is who's the guy that's going to come save us? Like there is no one, you know, and that's the hard part about it. And look, that's why they have the shirts. (laughs) Nobody is coming. Yeah, I suppose (laughs) that's true. I mean, I suppose it doesn't really even matter who it is, right? Like, that's part of the problem is that it doesn't matter. Even if they were to trade for someone, even if they were to pick up a, you know, a Jerry Judy or someone like that, I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make. So that's, you know, the offense for this year. I mean, it's middling. You're hoping that you can get a little bit more out of those guys. But, like, man, it's, it's looked poor. Play the long game and get T. Higgins a free agency next March when the Cincinnati Bengals ultimately don't pay him. Or, or if you really want to go for a stretch to really impress someone here on this podcast, um, 
you know, Terrace Marshall might be available for a cheap trade next <laughs> My year. My goodness. Like, Good I cannot believe this hasn't happened yet. Um, you want to hear something saucy, though, I think would be um, would be really interesting is if the Bengals are one in three. I wonder if they fall to one and four if you just move on from Higgins early, um, get a draft pick for him as opposed to waiting a year for the compensatory when he walks. Uh, just saying. Um, He'd be done this yeah. year. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. yeah. So, he, you know, he's up at the end of the year. You know, you know he's not in your future plans. Maybe get the pick now as opposed to you know right. waiting until free agency and then waiting until next year to use your whatever your your compensatory third. Because I'm not I'm not convinced that a team wouldn't give up a second round pick for him. Um, and I would not be opposed if the Patriots decided, hey, we're going to be that team to give up the second round well, pick, I only because I may not buy into the team right now. I don't think that they're going to be like some offensive juggernaut. Even if they do acquire him, I think you go ahead, you make that trade, you get a head start, and you get yourself a a strong piece right you get your like you get yourself a starting wide receiver like an objective starting wide receiver like all right there's no question that guy's going to be out there playing 88 90 you know 90 percent of the snaps every game go out and get one early kind of establish and get you know and get some juice going because right now this team is juiceless and it's for for a while there when uh when zeke first signed it felt rejuvenated where it was like oh there's a little bit of energy people are a little you know feeling okay about the team and then you know obviously that went out the window but right now Say they go out there and lose to the Saints, even if you know you're anti-tanking tanking like I am, I think it's a real question of you know what are we looking forward to though? Everything that we would be looking forward to is just hopes and predictions on free agency and then mm-hmm. who they could potentially get in the draft. Go out get someone who kind of gives us something to look forward to. Like hey, this year may be terrible, but we got our we got our number one receiver. Hey, this year might be terrible, but our offensive line is is really solid now. We we now got a tackle and we're good. Everything is great. You know what I mean? So I just just give us something to look forward to. It's kind of like what the Cleveland Browns were last year, where it's like, hey, this year is right off, but next year, next year is the mm-hmm. year you can look at to be to be something. Yep, right. And that's because yeah, they already had those players know. in the building. It wasn't a oh maybe we'll draft someone good or oh maybe we'll sign this guy in free agent. It was like, hey, the guys are here. It's gonna look better next year. Yeah. Yeah, it's just I, you know, it's it's frustrating and it's hard, it's hard to deal with as a fan, obviously, and you know, as someone who talks about the uh, talks about the team all the time, it's like it's very it's hard to do, right? You're like sitting here like this sucks. <laughs> it's talking about talking about the Patriots right now kind of sucks, and so, um, you know, look, ultimately, I think I don't know if there's necessarily an easy answer, right? I don't know if it's you know what the answer is, but Getting Alec T. Higgins in the building would be a good start, right? Getting a guy, you know, trading for whomever it is. And even if you want to give up a pick for Jerry Judy or if you want to, you know, whatever, whoever the guy is that you're looking to, you know, that you're looking at. And I think, I think Pittman has developed a really nice rapport with Anthony Richardson. He and sure so I has. thought that, I thought that that might be a spot that they might have a shot at because Pittman, I believe, is in the final year of his deal yeah. as well. Yep. He doesn't have a fifth year option because he was a second round pick. Yep. And so it was kind of like, hey, maybe they have a shot at a guy like Pittman. But when you have a young quarterback and he's his favorite target, you're not trading that guy now. So Pittman's, you know, in Indy to stay, I think. And so, you know, it's it really then becomes the question of like, okay, who else even is there? Who else is going to be available? And so um, you know, we'll see. But I, I just, you know, it's 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 frustrating to watch, you know, and again, I don't know the answer, right? Like the hard stuff about it is that, and and this is where Belichick comes, comes into play again. Tyquan Thornton's coming back. Yay. But like if George Pickens 
was coming back, I think we'd feel a little bit better about it because George Pickens is like an actual NFL wide receiver. He may not be unbelievable, but he's an actual NFL wide receiver. He's pretty good. Yep. Right? Like, you know, and so those are the things where it's like you can't miss on those picks. You can't just whiff. Right? And even like, even last year, I know they traded back, obviously, and then ended up with the third round pick and, you know, whatever. But like, at 22, if they draft Trent McDuffie at 22 instead of moving back and drafting Cole Strange at 29, Trent McDuffie's a baller, man. He's a baller. And so, like, you know, and, of course, then they probably don't draft Gonzalez this year. And so, like, I'd rather Gonzalez over Trent McDuffie and, like, whatever, right? Like, but, again, it's it's like you look at it and it's like, is Cole, was Cole Strange the right pick at 29? Like, he doesn't even look like he's going to be a scheme fit anymore. Like, I don't know if he's going to fit in the, in, in the scheme the Patriots want to run offensively. So, the drafting of the last few years has been tough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then the other part of it is that Jack Jones and Marcus Jones, I showed a lot of promise last year. They're both hurt. Jack Jones looks like he's going to be out at least another two weeks. Marcus Jones, I've heard rumblings that he might miss the majority of the year with the injury that he had that knocked him on IR, you know, after week one. So, like, you know, that's that's a problem. That's a real issue for the Patriots, you know. And, and so I just – you know, it's it's challenging, but like you draft Pierre Strong, that didn't work out. Nope. Right? You draft and like you draft Kevin Harris, that didn't work out. You draft Billy nope. Zappi, and it's like, okay, fine, you have a backup quarterback, but like you had other needs more than backup quarterback. You know what I mean? So like so you would have liked to see them have done a little bit more than that. And so uh, you know, uh, long story short for me is like the draft, I think you look back at the draft classes since really 2019 and they've hit on some guys for sure, but not enough, not enough to have built back a really solid team. Um, you know, and it's just, and it's hard. I know it's hard because they did go all in on belt on Brady and they went, but again, it's like, instead of taking AJ Brown, who was a Patriots fan who said he mm-hmm. cried when the Patriots didn't draft him at 32, you took Nikhil Harry, right? Like, those are mistakes you cannot make because now your team stinks. And if you had A.J. Brown as your number one wide receiver, you would have a legitimate one of the best players, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL as your wide receiver one on your team. And it's like that's stuff that just can't happen. And it just feels like it's happened over and over again. There's one name that I have for a potential for either a trade or a free agency candidate because he's on a good team right now, but I don't know if they could pay him. Do you look at a Brandon Ayuk? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I uh, I don't think they should trade him. I think he's their best receiver. And yes, I am including Debo. I think mm-hmm. he is their best pure wide receiver. Um, mm-hmm. No reason to trade him here in the Super Bowl window. Uh, but I don't know. In uh, they got a lot of guys. To, they got um, a lot of guys to pay. They have a yeah. Lot of you know, in truth, pay. what I actually think will happen is I think Debo is the one that gets moved and Ayuk gets extended. I think um, it it feels like the the bloom is off the rose, off the uh, Debo Samuel rose. I know he's obviously still doing Debo Samuel things, but I just think it's interesting how the media perception of him has seem, seems to have shifted. Um, and I think that's coming from inside the building because we know that Shanahan and Lynch both have really well-placed sources, right? Let's oh, just yeah. say uh, well-placed sources. Um, and the perception around Debo Samuel has been like, oh, it's cool what he's doing. Whereas like a year ago, it was like this guy or, you know, the year prior, it was like, oh, this guy's amazing. He's revolutionizing football. Look at all the things he can do. Amazing. What a talent. Um, to right. now, you know, <laughs> entering this year, 
he had two uh, two touchdowns just the other week, and no one talked about it. You know what I'm saying? Or, or I believe that was the case against the yeah, um, the Giants game. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, and and no one cared. And it's just like that's interesting that that's the uh, that's the shift. And we also had the really weird, the weird situation last year or, or this past off season or whatever, where he was just like missing, and there were rumblings about whether or not he wanted to be traded, and he was like. Yeah holding out or whatever. And that was a really weird situation that we all just kind of like ignored after a while. We're just like, oh, yeah, they fixed it. But I think he's the one that gets moved. And I think Ayuk gets extended. They also, he, they have Christian McCaffrey. So yeah, like. He's a Debo, little redundant, yeah. Right. Debo's yeah. great because he does everything. But Christian McCaffrey does everything too. So it's like, and McCaffrey is objectively a better player than Debo Samuel. And so like, if you want a guy that can go in the backfield and also go out as a wide receiver, you, you already have him. one of those yep, guys. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. you don't need two of them, and you can probably get back a good haul for Debo Samuel, if especially if you're not going to pay him anyways. Yeah, you can get, like, give him – I don't think you give up a first to get him, but you could probably – would only have to give up a I second round. I think you do give up a first to, to get him. I think a first and a third will probably, uh, will probably get it done because I, I do think he is immensely talented. Um, I think he's a very good player. I just don't know what's going on interpersonally in San Francisco for them to – I mean, for, for him to, to have held out and all that, for them to just be like, we're not, we're not caving on this. It just feels like a situation where he gets moved, not because he's, he's, you know, not a great player. Cause he is, he's an, an elite talent. I think he just gets moved because of interpersonals uh, over in San Francisco. Didn't he also hold out till very well into the last off season? I think he signed like late July, early August of 22. Yeah. 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 So I, I just threw the Brandon Ayuk name just because I know that like they have a lot of guys to pay, but if you want to trade Debo Samuel, then Hey, be my guest. Um, before we wrap it up today, guys, do we want to quickly go over the week five slate, see uh, what we're feeling, what we're liking, or do it? All right, cool. So I have all the odds up here. Uh, everything uh, we got the ticker going. We have another nine thirty game: Buffalo versus Jacksonville. Um, do we put anything into Jacksonville being over there all week, or do we think this is? Or actually, let me rephrase this: Which Josh Allen gets the win? Uh, the one with the Buffalo on his head. <laughs> He's, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I do not buy the Jacksonville Jaguars. If that wasn't clear, I didn't buy them last year. I didn't buy it by them after they beat the Chargers in the playoffs. And I don't buy them this year. I, they're, I, uh, uh, uh-uh, uh, I think they, uh, go out there and they get cooked. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I thought I'd like Jacksonville because of that advantage, but at the same time too, I think we saw last Sunday and this pains me to say, because we're their rivals. They look really good, and if it's not this year, I don't know when it's going to happen for Buffalo. I yeah. think this is an hour and every year for them. Um, I'm going to say this with my chest puffed out high. Miami is going to pump the literal shit out of the New York Giants Sunday afternoon. I just It's in Miami. They're coming off a bad game. And the Giants are bad. Yep. Yeah. And the Giants are bad. They yeah, sure definitely. Are. Most certainly. I think that um, – we have what Pittsburgh at Baltimore. That's going to be an interesting one. Um, they have Pittsburgh, you know, plus four and a half. Uh, I think that's that's maybe a little low. I don't think. I, I think it's a, it's a grizzly blowout for Baltimore. Um, I just don't. I don't buy the entire Matt Canada experience in Pittsburgh. Uh, and this is coming from someone who likes Kenny Pickett. I I, I think. He, last year, he looked good for stretches. Um, I don't think it's working out with him and Matt Canada at this point, and I don't think um, Pickens is good enough to overcome some of the, the, the scheme deficiencies. I think they go out there and they get walloped uh, by their divisional rivals. Yeah. Do you, um, Quick fun fact about this game I learned today. You know Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh, they are now the second – this is their second all-time for head coaches versus each other. This will be the 34th. 
This will be the 34th time the two have faced off against one another. Wow. Sheesh. I, I hadn't realized it in so long. Yep. That's wild. Um, uh, what was I going to say? This, this game over here is wild. Um, yeah. I kind of I don't know why I kind of like Pittsburgh in a bounce back here just because Tomlin always kind of wins those like grizzly games where it's like he's the underdog. So I, that's yeah. just what I think will happen just because that philosophy. And by the way, first for that is uh, Curly Lambeau and George Hallis at 49. But yeah, that's a little fun nugget of the day. Um, and also we did skip over New England, New Orleans, but I think we all think the Patriots are going to win two and three. Yeah. Yep. Patriots um, go, go out. Mac plays well enough. They win the game and people will still complain. By the yes. way, I, you're right. By the way, I have um, Houston is on the road as a as a one and a half point dog. We do some uh, we do some prop bets on my uh, on my on our show. Yep. And one of my prop bets was I actually moved the spread to Houston minus three point five, and I'm taking that because Atlanta sucks. Desmond in, Ritter cannot play quarterback. No, he cannot. They he suck. cannot play quarterback. That is yes. tough. And Houston's been playing well, and they've been playing hard. And I think, and not only that, but Atlanta played in London last year and is not getting a bye this week. They're going from playing in London to coming back to Atlanta and playing at home in Atlanta. I think that's a recipe for disaster for Atlanta. And I think that I think that the uh, Texans are going to go in there and smoke them. I think the dog game of the week is probably Las Vegas at uh, Green Bay. I know Las Vegas is getting you know is uh, mm-hmm. one and a half there. I. I think it's uh, it's going to be one of those like 14-10 kind of games because I don't think either team has any any sense of direction. I You know, funny enough, I think they're right in the same tier as the Patriots and Titans and just teams that are like, you know, they can win any game. They can also lose any game, and they're terrible. So, yeah. 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 It's that possibly frisky category of the NFL yeah. where it's like, right. are you frisky? If things go right. You, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. hey. We can win, but all these have to happen. Or if we lose, we look like complete ass. Um, Another game I like to see here is there's Detroit and Carolina. I feel like Detroit will win this game because they are legit. They're legit, legit. But I don't know if I like the 10.5 against Carolina just because it's a lot. It's a winning lot. by ten and a half in this. I mean, winning by eleven in this league is tough. Um, most games don't go in a, in a blowout. I also just don't think that. Um, well, I think that the Lions are a good team. I don't think they're a great team, and I think Carolina's defense is better than they've shown. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm picking them this week to kind of bounce back and go out there and win a game that you know that many people are writing them off on. Oh, so earlier, you know how we talked about Josh Uche potentially leaving a free agency. Yeah. Do you look at replacing him with Brian Burns? I know him and Mac don't get along, but do you? Do you? That's I'm. I'm seriously asking. Do you entertain it? Brian Burns do is I, a monster. Personally, absolutely. Yes, he's a, yeah. he's an he's a dominant NFL player. Um, it sucks that he's just stuck on some bad Carolina teams because I don't think people are giving him enough credit. Yeah, I just, I just, as soon as you said that, I'm like, hmm. If they lose Josh Uche this offseason, they still have Keon White. I don't know when Dietrich Wise is up. Judon's obviously. Not we don't know. I don't think we can. It's fair to say Judon's going to come back and be himself. So you slot Brian Burns in there and just say, hey, let him and Mac have bygones. We've got bygones. Your teammates now. Um, another game I love to see here for a team is Philly on the four and a half. I think this is a huge bounce back for them. And I look L.A. for fantasy wise, they built something special, but I just I don't buy it long term. I do not buy the Rams. I agree. Yeah. And then the last the game other I one see here. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the other one for me is Jets Broncos, which is a, just a disgusting game. But like, yeah, the, I like the, Jets. the the under is the one for me that I'm looking at in that game because everyone thinks that the over is going to hit because the Broncos defense is just trash. Nope. But people forget that the Jets offense is not good, 
and the Jets' defense is very good. And so I think Zach Wilson comes back down to earth a little bit after everyone talked all week about how great he is. And that game is going to be like an ugly, like 13 to 10 win or something like that, you know, for whatever team wins that game. I think I the Jets a- win it, and I completely agree on that. That's exactly how it's going to go. It's going to it's going to be hideous the whole time. They're not going to have any any action on red zone. <laughs> right. And yeah, yeah that's going to be the end of the game. Yeah. I think this is. I think that's a Brees Hall game. By the way, I think that's a, most certainly. Yeah, yeah, it's a Brees Hall. He's going to have a huge. I mean, that Denver defense is atrocious, so he's going to yeah. have a huge day. I like. I like. You know, New York to win it. Plus two, he's going back to the site where I actually tore his ACL last year uh, around this time. True. And then Sunday night, it's, I almost said Sunday night baseball. Um, don't want to talk about baseball right now. Just get me angry. Um, San Francisco and Dallas, Sunday night football, game of the week. Uh, do we see game of the year here or do we see? Because uh, no. I honestly, I, I think San Francisco wins this. I don't know. I, I like them to cover two and a half. Yeah. I, I like them to cover as well. I like this as an under game. I think this is like a 24 to 17 kind of game where it's yeah. just defense. Like kind of like what we saw in the playoffs last year where. Yeah. My I think that Dallas will Dallas. make. Dallas will make more errors on offense than San Francisco will, and then that will be the that will be the deciding factor. Yeah, I think that um, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so a couple things I wanted to say before we go. I know everyone likes to say with San Francisco, Brock Purdy's best contract in the NFL. I I, I want to say no just because it's a rookie controlled deal. I think the best quarterback contract in the NFL right now, non franchise guy, is Baker Mayfield. Because yeah, he's given he's given them uh, a lot more juice than anyone expected. Yeah. I don't think I again they're they're the Patriots. Um, yeah. where uh, if you tell me they're gonna you know win this game and everything went right, then cool. And if they lose, it's gonna it's gonna be hideous. I think they're right in that mix of just like this team's probably pretty bad, but they can make it look good on any given Sunday. They're gonna beat the teams that they should beat or have a chance to beat, and then they're gonna lose to all the teams that they should that lose they to. Like no, how, yes, kind of like how they like lost the to the Eagles. Yeah, yeah like how, kind yeah. of they lost to the Eagles, but then they beat the Saints. They beat the Saints. They beat the Bears. They beat the Vikings, and we'll see if they beat the Lions in those lovely cream school uniforms next Sunday afternoon. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's awesome. so good. <laughs> and the you know, can we talk about too, like the the Broncos in those white helmets, dude, with the friggin' oh, those are yeah. sick. And, and it's helmets. just being wasted on a terrible, terrible I know. team. Holy really cow. <laughs> but the field is white too. Like, woo. Dude, I think they're going to wear the same jerseys on Christmas Eve. And that's oh, going to be beautiful to see. It's going to be bad football, but it's going to be a good, oh, good. Uh, aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Merry Christmas, everyone. Here's 10 to 7 football. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Which quarter? That game literally is like, oh, oh, that's that's a terrible game. And then R- R- Patriots, uh, Patriots and Thing. And then that Patriots Steelers game, December seventh, the one you're going to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oof, Maron. Um, you know what? When you get things off your chest, it's a lot of fun, and I appreciate you guys doing this, guys. This is probably I, if these guys are down for it, it looks like this is going to be a monthly thing. Where hopefully in November we have more to talk about. Hopefully we're nice. trying to find a pathway to different things. And the only other thing I'll say about this Sunday is, do you know the guy, tw- guy on Twitter, Babs on the mic? Yeah. With his weird, did you see his weird conspiracy theory video where yeah. he's like, yeah. "Bill Belichick's a historian." I'm like, I don't want to believe it. I do not want to believe what he said. But if they win, I'm gonna be like, "God damn it!" I Bill haven't checked it out. I, I gotta, I gotta look it up. The I idea is that he didn't want to beat. He he had a chance last year. He had a chance to beat Hallis's record against the Bears, and it's a chance to pass Hallis in all-time wins against the Bears. And they obviously got killed by the Bears. And then the next week. He beat the record against the Jets. Well, this time he had a chance to win 300 win to get 300 wins, which I think 
Tom Landry clips Tom Landry against the Cowboys and they lost against the Cowboys. And then, so theoretically they'd beat the saints the next game. So, you know, like it, now listen, sure. it could still happen and sure. that would be funny. You know what I mean? But like, come on, Bill's not out here throwing games, but it would be hilarious if it did end up that way because it, you could say, Oh, Hey, look at that. You know, it just, it'd be a, more of a funny coincidence than anything else, but still it would be interesting to see. I think it's, it does happen too. That's going to be the worst part. It is going to happen. It's going to be like, of course. <laughs> it, it, right. It's it's so stupid to the point of where it might just be possible to work. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love it. By the way, uh, don't look now, but the Bears are uh, choking the game away as we speak. So the Bears are, are the Bears are doing exactly what their what their team wants them to do, what their fan base wants them to do, which is look good enough to give them hope for the future, but then also still lose and give them a top five pick. The, the the Bears are that guy that gets friends onto the bar every single week, and then he goes out with his buddies. <laughs> yeah. Oh no 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 no! You're not you're not coming home with me. But um, as someone who has Bears plus six and a half right now in his spread pool, I am loving this. So even if they lose by three, I'm I'm still okay with it. See, the same thing last year. Last year, best one, same spread pool. Colts plus three and a half against the Vikings. They still covered. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> Up by ninety five and lost, but it doesn't matter because they get <laughs> covered. Hey, what do they? That what do they say? Good teams win. Great teams, Great teams cover. cover. Yes, sir. <laughs> that's, that's why I do not like Kansas City with that minus three and a half because I hate the Chiefs on the spread. That's the minds of a degenerate gambler talking, folks. Yeah, hey, you know, <sighs> it's all good. But you know what, guys? This is a blast getting to do. We got a lot off our chests. Hopefully, when we're back in November, the first week or so. We have a lot more happier things to discuss. But anyway, guys, enjoy this weekend of football. And if you're Canadian, have a happy Thanksgiving. Yes, that's right, you too. Our Thanksgiving is this weekend and not in November. Sick. Have a great one, everyone. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.